Welcome to the Fighting for Joy podcast. I'm your host, Jody Blick. I'm so glad that you're here and thankful that you're taking the time to listen today. And my hope, as always, is that as you listen, you are encouraged and also better equipped to fight for joy no matter what life throws at you. I pray that these meaningful conversations with my guests inspire you to keep pursuing real and lasting and hope-filled joy. Let's face it, life in this world of ours is such a both-and, meaning it can be so wonderful and beautiful and lovely, and it can be hard and painful and disappointing, and sometimes all at the same time. But I'm here to tell you that thankfully, we don't have to wait for our struggles to end or our circumstances to change before we can experience real joy. We can find it right in the messy middle. Hence the idea of both and. Because needless to say, pretty much everyone will at some point experience a difficult season and find themselves struggling through a time of discouragement, despondency, loneliness or anxiety, betrayal or loss. I mean, you can fill in the blank. And oftentimes these things just aren't easy to persevere through. But this is why I'm glad you're here today and a big reason why I started the Fighting for Joy podcast to remind us all that even in the midst of brokenness, there is hope to be found. Even in the hard, we can experience abounding joy. Well, my guest today is a great example of this. I'm so excited to welcome my friend Shelly Waltz to the podcast. Shelly and I got connected on Instagram and her voice on social media is one of hope and light and beauty and of course joy. I'm grateful for her willingness to share a little bit of her story and how she has learned to fight for this joy after her life took an unexpected and hard turn. I just know you're going to enjoy her as much as I do, and you'll be blessed by her wisdom and beautiful perspective. Here's our conversation. Hi, Shelly, and welcome to the Fighting for Joy podcast. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. Hi, it is so good to finally speak in person. I feel like we're already old pals. I know. Well, that's the um, the the blessing of Instagram. <laughs> I mean, we we are Instagram friends, and that's you know that's one of the things that I love about social media is how it connects us with other like minded people, and that's happened with with us. We've never met in person, but yeah, we've interacted quite a bit over the past year. It's kind of crazy because I feel like Instagram gets a little bit of a bad rap sometimes, Mm -hmm. but um, in terms of connection, I think there are some cases where it just can't be beat. You just meet people who you would never have the opportunity to meet in real life and make those connections. I agree. I agree. And I found you through our mutual friend, Becky Novacek. I think she highlighted maybe one of your posts a while back. And as one does on Instagram, I then went to your feed and kind of watched some of your stories. And I was just drawn to your style and your wisdom and your gorgeous home, but especially to your joy in the midst of what I could tell was a difficult transitional time of life for you and your kiddos. And ever since, you have just been one of my favorite follows. I mean, it can be really easy to scroll through Instagram quickly, but I do always try to take the time to read every word of your posts and your daily stories. You know, they always impact me, whether they are tender and emotional or silly and lighthearted. Um, You really touch a lot of people, um, including me. So I'm excited to have this conversation with you and I'm excited for my listeners to get to know you. So let's start out by just having you introduce yourself. Oh, gosh. Um, Well, that's a that's always a broad question. Um, (laughs) course, my name is Shelly Waltz, Little Miss Magnolia on Instagram, and I like to call myself um, a person who is constantly evolving. Um, I am a mom of four babes, which will always be my first and favorite uh, title, and I have gone through a lot of life changes in the last um, three years. And so I'm kind of living out uh, plan B where I've been able to really get down to what I think is um, the nitty gritty of life, which is, you know, seeing the ordinary goodness that's right in front of your face in people, in places, Mm -hmm. in your home, in situations that might not look like a blessing, 
but it's always, always there. Mm, I love that. Much needed in this world today, for sure. Um, you mentioned that your name on Instagram is Little Mess Magnolia, which I love. Can you share a little bit about why you decided to be known by that name? Oh, goodness. Um, so one of my all-time favorite movies is... Um, steel magnolias Mm -hmm. and it is not just because of the lush southern sets because I always say that I'm a southern girl at heart even though I've been born and bred in Ohio Um, but it's because I feel like a steel magnolia is a really a magnolia is a delicate bloom a beautiful flower but a steel magnolia would imply that you have like uncommon fortitude and strength and if there's anything I aspire to be in life it's both soft and gritty. I think you need both so much as a woman in this world. <laughs> and um, so I, I think that's why I thought Little Miss Magnolia was perfect. It is perfect. I love it. And the more that I've gotten to know you, I, it is a great fit for you, Shelly. So good job on that. Um, well, Thank as you. you know, this podcast is called Fighting for Joy. And I wanted to have you on because I see you implement just a really simple and practical tool in your daily fight for joy. You already mentioned it, that ordinary goodness. And I just know it's going to inspire and, and encourage other people as they're trying to figure out ways to fight for joy themselves. Um, but before we get to that, um, I would love for you to share just a little bit about um, your story or where you've had to fight for joy. I mean, you are bubbling over with joy on most days, and it is one of the things that I know draws people to you, but positive and energy, energetic people, I mean, they get discouraged too. And um, it feels like you've had to really fight for the joy that you exude. So share a little bit about where you've struggled or where discouragement has wanted to seep into your life and your family and rob you of joy. Well, um, truth be told, I've led a pretty charmed life. I, I grew up in a family of five kids and two parents, and I had the kind of childhood you dream of. Um, and I had a mom who was constantly pointing out the beauty in life, but not just the beauty that the world would want you to look at, which is bigger, better, more. I'm talking about the real daily beauty, like watching the Dukes of Hazard on a Friday <laughs> night with a bowl of popcorn. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was just so good at that. So I've always had a life that was kind of ideal and where I saw beauty in everyday mundane things that others might miss. Um, But as with any life, there um, come times where you're tested. And um, I've grown up with a lifelong faith. I was raised in the church every time the doors opened. um, My family was there. I played handbells. I sang in the choir. (laughs) And um, literally, uh, that faith has been kind of a muscle that's just been built over the years through discipline. Um, My mom just poured that deeply into me. But a few years ago, about um, three years ago, uh, my world kind of crumbled. And I don't really share a lot of the specific details about it because my story is so wrapped up in the story of my four babes. Um, Mm -hmm. But essentially, I had a 23-year marriage, and we had dated for five years before that. So we had been together since I was 19. Um, My marriage fell apart, Mm -hmm. and it fell apart with a lot of um, layers and complication and um, a suddenness that left my babes reeling, um, gut-punched, and left me completely just upside down, not really knowing what was true and right and good anymore. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, as I've heard you share glimpses into this story, like you said, not into great detail, but I do see, you know, grace in the struggle and being heartbroken and joy filled and totally wrecked and also at peace. It's that whole both and idea of you you have experienced heartbreak and you have learned how to fight for joy both and um, you know the tagline that you have in your profile on Instagram is living plan b with my four teen babes and I love that Shelly because obviously we all hope for and want for plan you know plan a for our lives and the lives of our loved ones but you and I are both living this sort of plan b meaning a different plan for our families than we had hoped and dreamed for And yet, you know, going through this can 
turn our focus, we can see some beauty in the ashes. And this is what I'm excited to talk to you about today. So share a little bit about, you've already mentioned it, but um, a little bit about how you fight for joy in the daily grind or on a harder day or when you're grieving over what has been lost. Um, What do you do? How do you look for ordinary goodness in the day-to-day life? Well, one of the things I learned really quickly in going through a crisis, because it wasn't just my crisis, I was navigating that crisis for my four babes as well. Mm -hmm. And um, I was navigating it in real time. And they were looking to me for answers and stability. And um, I don't know, they they were looking to me to not make sense of it because they were processing in real time too, but they were looking to me to know that after the suck was Mm -hmm. over, I call it, it's going to suck until it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Um, Until that initial piece is over, they were looking to me to know that it would be okay. And so one of the things that I learned very, very quickly is that you cannot keep your eyes focused right in the mess. Hmm. You just can't. Mm -hmm. Um, And for a while, things are a real mess. So I... um, kind of had this practice where every morning I would point my eyes to the horizon or the sky. And for me, that's God and my faith. Mm -hmm. And I would know that he was weaving together a story that I didn't understand and that I didn't like and that I didn't want, but that he was in every single piece of it in every moment and that he was near. And Mm -hmm. that was shown to me over and over and over again. And one of the places I really started to see it so, so clearly, um, the ordinary joy, the ordinary beauty was in the people that he sent. Hmm. Um, Hmm. And I really believe that um, when you are in crisis, you know, you you start to learn to know when your hair is on fire and what's a hangnail, you know, Mm -hmm. what's important and what's not. Those things shift into two piles. And you also realize that the people in your life kind of sort into two piles, Mm. Um, people that are light bringers into the darkness and people that just shrink away because not because they're bad people, but because they don't really know how to help you sit in your grief. Yeah. Yeah. And um, God sent so many people to shine light in our darkness. And so one of the things I started to do was you know, as an adult, we know we have those coping skills through other smaller crises in life that we can look to, to say from past experience, we know there's another side, Mm -hmm. we get it. Mm -hmm. But sometimes our kids don't, especially kids like mine, who also grew up in kind of an ideal life. Mm -hmm. Um, They were gut punched. And so one of the things I started to do, when I would take my morning time, I would write my journal, to find the ordinary beauty. And then later that night, I would make sure that when we were talking, that they were acknowledging the people who were light bringers, hmm. that they were seeing the goodness that was coming our way, even in the midst of all the stuff they didn't ask for or want. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, Shelly, I resonate with all of that. And just the feeling of being in crisis trying to navigate these other little hearts and lives who are in the crisis with you and looking for help and answers and hope. And just desperately as a mom trying to figure out how we can point them to, um, to this hope, to situations and people and, and, um, the ordinary goodness outside of this direct horrible trauma that we're going through. I so resonate with that. Um, You mentioned people. I mean, we are wired for connection, and that is one of God's biggest gifts to us is giving us um, people who come into our life and want to walk with us um, through the mess, through the ordinary, through the hard. Um, So you mentioned that. What are some other ordinary things that you, um, you are loving, maybe even just right now, this week? How, where are you seeing ordinary goodness in your life right now it's funny because um i've also had a lot of change not just in the last three years with our family situation which has obviously been a huge upheaval and a new way for all of us to function as a family but um i you know in my profile you mentioned that i'm raising 14 babes and well one just turned 20. Hmm. um my babes are 20 18 17 and 14 and so that's a lot of teen Mm. in one house (laughs) yes 
And you know what that means because you uh-huh. have a lot of teen uh-huh. in one house. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm, I'm learning my babes, two of them have launched. So they're off to college. And that presented a whole new set of, um, I don't know, I guess I would call it uncertainty. You know, mm-hmm. my whole identity for the last 20 years has been raising those babes. And, you know, last year one left and that was a huge dynamic um, change, but this year two left. So our population was reduced <laughs> by 50%. Yeah, that's huge. Exactly. And um, the one thing I learned through our crisis is that, um, man, you draw close in a way that you would have never dreamed to your people. Mm. Um, You become a tighter unit. Things that um, maybe would have bothered you before don't bother you at at all. They don't even hit the radar. And the other thing I've learned is that um, we've learned so much clearer how to love each other conditionally that fights are shorter and Mm. distance is um, not as deep sometimes. And we take care of each other. And I've noticed that even since my two older babes have left, I'm able to see the ordinary joy, even though, oh my word, do I miss them. It is guttural sometimes. And anybody who follows me saw my tear fest Mm -hmm. when they left. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. But I'm even able to see the ordinary joy in that because they check in, not just with me, but they still pour into their younger Mm, siblings. mm. Um, Whether that's phone calls or attending a key event or texting at a critical time when they have a presentation at school, but they seek each other out. And I think as a mom, you know, there are so many times where our kids are at each other's throats. Mm -hmm. You know, they are frenemies, friends one moment, enemies the next. And (laughs) just to see that kind of bond that has nothing to do with me, um, that it's all intrinsic, that they're the ones reaching for each other. You can't help but notice that ordinary goodness Mm. in all those habits that you tried so desperately to pour into your babes over the years. Mm. Very true. Very true. And that is, I mean, that is where the, the potential is in these hard things is for our perspective to shift for us to learn how to be there for one another and rally together in ways that we didn't have to before out of desperation and out of, um, you know, just need we rally around. And it's not a guarantee. I mean, not all families become closer when they go through hard things. But I know you and I have both experienced that with our with our families. And, um, you know, your perspective just it changes and you really start to figure out what matters. And, um, and it is the ordinary things that are happening, like you just mentioned, the checking in with each other, the text, the showing up for an event, the, you know, just getting each other's back and being in each other's lives, good, bad, and ugly. <laughs> well, I'm- I love when you use that word desperation, because mm-hmm. it, to me, I think it, it has, you know, a, a positive connotation and a negative connotation. You know, when you're going through crisis, it's negative. It is desperation to sometimes just find the surface to get that gulp of air that you need just to get to the next minute or the next hour or the next um, to do on your list. Because even though your world of grief has stopped, the rest mm-hmm. of the world mm-hmm. still turns. Yeah. But on the flip side of desperation, I've learned to desperately seek goodness, mm. you know, with mm-hmm. the same kind of desperate feeling, not desperate in a negative way, but desperate for good, for reaching for positive, for making sure that that's a priority. Because I know that a lot of times it's so much easier to focus on the negative. Yes. Yes. But the sure. positive is always, always there. And so I try to desperately seek that too. Yeah, me too. And I think too, you know, the ordinary goodness idea is also pretty tied into gratitude as well. Wouldn't you say? I mean, I think being grateful for the simple things and really embracing moments with a grateful heart. Just for me, there seems to be a big tie between focusing on the ordinary and being grateful. Would you say the same is true for you? Huge, huge. I cannot say it enough. Mm -hmm, Yes. mm -hmm. Because when, um, when you're in the middle of something that just turns you upside down, where um, the things you knew to be true before are just no longer true. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when, when you're inside out, when you feel like your heart is beating outside your chest raw, uh, mm-hmm. it's, 
it's in those moments that you can make a choice. You can either sink. And I, I think when you're not seeking connection, that's the most dangerous place to be, mm-hmm. you know, when you're alone with that and you're wrestling with that on your own and you, um, you're not sharing those vulnerable moments with someone. And mm-hmm. I think it's important to choose who you tell your story to, um, and to be careful with your story. Um, but I think when you reach out to others, you start to feel gratitude because you immediately realize that someone's reaching back mm-hmm. and yeah. they're hearing you. And not only are they hearing you, but they're sitting in your grief with you when they don't have to. And mm-hmm. you can't help but start to have a different sense of gratitude. I mean, I've always had deep, meaningful relationships and um, people in my life. I've also had a lot of friendly relationships that are shallow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the deeper ones lead you and point you toward gratitude because you realize in a sense things you never realized before that um, people were always there. Maybe you just hadn't needed them in the way that you do now. Hmm. That opportunities for connection were always there, but maybe the right vehicle hadn't presented itself to deepen that friendship. Hmm. And so I feel like um, a lot of times circumstances point you to gratitude, but there's always the choice. Yeah. Yeah. That's the tricky part. Yes, it is. It is a daily choice, a minute by minute choice sometimes even too. And the other thing that I hear in your voice along with gratitude is contentment. And I, I have felt that too, that, you know, you, when you focus in on the ordinary things, the people that are right in front of you, the situations, the moments, um, the beauty right in front of you, it, it helps us to focus on what really matters and what really brings true joy instead of just fleeting happiness. And, you know, it also makes me just think back to that whole idea of our lives and our character aren't usually shaped by huge moments or huge experiences in life, but usually by the way that we live day in and day out, the millions of little moments, the little decisions, the little experiences, the people that we see every day. I mean, that's what shapes a heart and a life and makes us into the people we are. Would you agree? Oh my gosh, I cannot say amen enough Mm -hmm, to that because mm -hmm. it's easy to say that you have faith when it's never been tested. Yeah. When everything that has come into your life has been, you know, good and easy. And I mean, you've had minor difficulties like everyone, but when you have, for me, this was my first real come to Jesus where I was on my knees Mm. begging for mercy at Mm. times. Um, and, you know, when that happens and your faith muscle is really tested, you you hope that the discipline of the daily that you did all those years will show up, but you don't know right. until it's tested. And the thing I learned is that um, I had showed up relentlessly in the daily lives of my kids. I had showed up in my relationships and I had showed up in my faith, even sometimes when it was nothing more than a habit. You know, um, I think there are phases in life where your faith is just speaking to you and you're growing. And I think there are other times it can be stagnant, but you still show up. Mm -hmm. And what I learned in crisis is that, oh, my word, I am so glad I showed up because Mm. the things that pointed me to who I am and whose I am they were there and ready and waiting for me just in a new way. Hmm. And so that muscle, um, although it had been dormant for years, uh, when it got stretched, it didn't snap. Hmm. It, it helped me to become more resilient. And the thing that just overwhelmed me was um, how it stretched my empathy for others. Oh, I um, agree. Yeah. It, that is that is the thing I was, I don't want to look back and tell myself that I was shallow because I know when you know better, you do better. But my word, I, I can literally now feel the pain of other people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And I know that that pain isn't mine to own or fix, but it is my privilege and my gift to sit with someone else in it. Like others sat with me and mine. For sure, Shelly. Oh, I feel that same way. My eyes are wide open now to 
the pain and hurt of other people in a way that it just wasn't before I went through something traumatic myself and did get to experience the gift and grace of people's presence and um, their willingness to to walk with us in the midst of really difficult days. Um, it makes me want to do that for others and um, really does change us and shape us when we have firsthand experienced um, the gift of, of a person's presence and love in the midst of the brokenness of this world. Um, and, you know, you said that you kind of learned looking for the ordinary goodness of life through your mom and that was just kind of a practice that you have had over the years Um, but when did you start embracing that phrase or using that phrase more kind of almost a mantra of ordinary goodness or ordinary beauty when when did it kind of click with you of that's what I'm doing that's what this is called and that is a tool that's going to help me fight for joy you know what's so funny about this? My kids would totally be making fun of me right now because <laughs> it's become my catchphrase on Instagram. Yeah, I love it. And what's it. interesting about that is a few years, It's it'll be two years in March that I started getting more regular um, on Instagram. Um, I, I was a, a so, sort of a social media person, like a user-friendly kind of gal, and I would post family pictures and I would post stories because I love to write. And Mm -hmm. so I would do that. But, um, you know, the first year I feel like after a crisis is shock and survival. You know, you're you're going through the motions in a lot of ways and you're trying to put into practice the things that you know are good and right and healthy. Yes. But after that first year and all those things that have been marked, you can sort of start to um, catch your breath in deeper ways and kind of move forward. And. So I decided I needed to get back to some of the things that used to bring me joy. And one of those things is writing. And Mm. so I thought, well, you know, even if no one reads it, my family will, and it's good for my soul. And I'll start just sharing on Instagram a little bit. So I kind of got into the discipline, you know, of doing that. And they always say that if you're a person who, um, feels things deeply and you get on Instagram that you're going to find your purpose pretty quickly Mm -hmm. because you can't fake story for very long, Mm -hmm. um, which I did for a while because I didn't want to be on stories. It felt awkward and unnatural, but I was trying to push myself out of a comfort zone and try something different. And I started storying and all of a sudden it came to me through my stories, the common theme of my life. Mm. (laughs) It was just Mm. so apparent that my my purpose was with my kids and my mom's purpose was with me to see and acknowledge the ordinary goodness and then share it. Hmm. And, um, I think that just through kind of speaking my words out loud to others, you know, when you're living your words and you're saying them to your kids, it's just part of your daily rhythm. Yeah. But when you get on stories and you're talking to an audience of people you don't know into a camera that's not speaking back, (laughs) you know, the truth of who you are starts to just kind of spill out. Yes. And I think I probably coined that phrase, I don't know, about a year and a half ago. And my friend um, Joy helped me make. Uh, a t-shirt she contacted I I just started connecting with people and they would say I love your mantra and I was like mantra <laughs> and they were like you know embrace the ordinary ordinary goodness and all of a sudden it just became so crystal clear that that's what I was trained to do it's what I did for a lot of years and it didn't maybe have the impact or maybe I didn't know the impact it had mm-hmm. let me rephrase that mm-hmm. I didn't know and now I know Mm-hmm. I know that the ordinary stuff and the ordinary goodness and the ordinary people and the ordinary of events are what sustain you through the things that you think will crush you. Wow. Well said. Well said. And I love that, that something like Instagram could help you bring clarity to just what you are valuing in life, how you want to live, how you're already living, and then how you want to do the next step, which is to inspire others to embrace it as well. And when we find something that does bring us joy and does help us get through the difficult seasons of life, we can't help but share it. I mean, that's the whole reason I wanted to do this podcast too, is just when I am learning about how God can carry me through these difficult times, or these are other tools, how counseling has helped me, or, you know, physical exercise, just different things that have helped you, um, 
you know, you just can't help but want to bring these um, ideas and suggestions to other people and say, just try it. I mean, maybe it's what exactly what you need to have some joy restored in your life too. And I think, you know, with Instagram, it is no secret that social media has a lot of negative potential and it can be very, you know, discouraging for people as, you know, some people choose to use it to troll others or get in political fights or, you know, or maybe they're trying to present a perfect life. They want to make themselves feel better than others. Um, You've got the comparison game. Loneliness has, you know, there's some research that you're more lonely when you're on your phone more often. But you are an example of somebody who uses social media for good and you have brought light and joy and beauty into that space. And, you know, the other thing I love is that it is possible to make real connections on social media and, um, you know, to have this circle of influence and people who are like-minded and thinking along those same lines and inspired by the same things. And um, so just be encouraged, Shelley. You are making a difference. You are bringing light to a place that needs it. And so keep going and keep sharing. I love it. I love your stories. They are real and bright and tender and, um, you know, all the things. So... I love it. Well, you know what's funny is that you mentioned that sometimes, thank you for all that, by the way, um, you mentioned that a lot of times that on social media, you become a person who tries to be perfect all the time. Mm -hmm. And what I'm realizing that it's done the exact opposite for me. I made a a definitely a definite commitment when I got on social media that I wasn't going to redo my stories, that I wasn't Mm going to use a filter, that I wasn't just a few basic rules so that when I showed up, I could feel okay about it and say, you know what, it is what it is. And people are going to either like it Right. Or they're not. And either way, that's really okay. It's not going to change the real parts of my life either way. Um, it's freeing. I, it's very freeing. I realized in showing up that way that people then show up to you that way. Yes. And I cannot tell you how many women have reached out about their plan Bs or that hmm. they're waiting for their plan B. And I said, you're not waiting for it. You're in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no waiting. There's no dress rehearsal. You're already in your plan B. And um, I've also been amazed at how respectful people are because I draw some pretty clear boundaries in my personal life. I um, I only share the things that my babes allow me to share, which isn't a whole lot. Um, I often just call them as babe number one through four. I don't really name them a lot. And um, I don't put them in my stories very often but people have really respected those boundaries. And Mm. sometimes they ask questions about my divorce or about the custody situation that I don't feel comfortable sharing. And I honestly just say, I'm not comfortable sharing that, but that I will share something that I am comfortable Mm. sharing. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that people, when they hear a vulnerable story, they feel okay about being vulnerable too. Like when I tell a parent fail or when I talk about how my kids aren't perfect and I can't share exactly what it is because it's their story and I'm trying to respect their story but know that things aren't hunky-dory here all the time. That resonates with people. They get it because they feel the same way about their babes as I do about mine. For sure. And that is definitely something that I have learned through Instagram as well, but especially through grief and hard um, seasons, because when people see that, um, that you're real, you're approachable, you know what it's like to struggle, um, they are more apt to come to you and share with you. And like you, you said, these women who are, you know, reaching out to you, what a gift to find somebody that is a little bit further ahead in, in the journey, um, to, to, resonate with and to look to and to watch and learn from. And that's what I desperately needed. I mean, when Jackson died, I really didn't have a whole lot of friends in my circle who um, had experienced the, you know, the traumatic loss of a loved one. And so I really did find um, some, some special communities on social media that were specifically geared towards grief or grieving mothers. And um, that is one of the the benefits, I think, of social media. It is what you make it. <laughs> and I think even what you said yes. about, you know, people being kind and gracious. Well, I mean, you're being kind and gracious too, Shelly. And I think that um, 
you know, as we continue to kind of create what we want on Instagram and we are purposeful and intentional with what we're doing out there, um, really some beautiful things come back for sure. I felt so lucky about that. Um, I I know I, I hear exactly what you're saying when you said that, you know, after your son died, that people didn't it's not that they weren't well-intentioned. It's not that they didn't try and feel your pain. It's not that they didn't want to be there, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you felt like this, but mine is a different kind of grief, obviously mm-hmm. um, the loss of a marriage and a family that you've built. Mm-hmm. Um, but I often felt like in real life, kind of a ghost in a room. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, often I felt like people thought if it could happen to her, Oh, yeah. It could happen to me. And that made it very uncomfortable for people. Yes. And there's a certain beauty of the anonymity on social media where you can just come as you are. Nobody knows your story unless you choose to share it. And um, to be able to find people who have a shared experience that weren't already in your life, because I didn't have any um, dear friends who were divorced. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard to share that kind of loss with somebody who hasn't walked it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, um, or it's hard to share that loss with somebody who's trying to fix it. Right. Right. Because it can't be fixed. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I, I'm like you found a community here that was able to kind of, um, you know, like there were fewer words that had to be said. Yes. Yes. There was just an understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a very profound perspective and exactly how I have felt as well. And just this camaraderie that has been able to develop, um, without the day-to-day life, but with having this unique connection that binds you together and, uh, fewer words are needed. You're right. I love that. I want to take a quick break from my conversation with Shelley to thank Faithful Counseling for sponsoring this episode. If you've been a regular podcast listener, you know that throughout our family's grief journey, we have been greatly helped by Christian counseling. Because of that, I regularly recommend it to others who are also struggling with the brokenness of this world, especially if they feel stuck and unable to move forward in life. The team at Faithful Counseling carefully pairs you with a professional licensed therapist who will combine biblical wisdom with their clinical expertise in mental health to help you address your unique situation. Their special platform gives you the ability to connect with your counselor at any time, not just during scheduled sessions. I love that they offer a number of ways to connect with your therapist. You can FaceTime, talk on the phone, or even take advantage of unlimited text messaging. The counselors are easily accessible and willing to communicate frequently and in the ways that are most comfortable and convenient for you. I personally have found this to be especially helpful during the pandemic. If you want to find out more about Faithful Counseling and see if they might be a good fit for you or your family, I encourage you to visit their website today. And don't forget to use my discount code to receive 10% off of your counseling sessions. Check it out at faithfulcounseling.com slash fightingforjoy. I can't say it enough. Quality counseling is a worthy investment and a powerful tool in the fight for joy. Okay, now let's get back to my chat with Shelly. Well, I'm sure there are days when you kind of can't seem to find goodness in the ordinary, right? Or at least it's harder to because raising teenagers is hard. You know, things around the house break. There can be tension in relationships. There are sleepless nights and we're tired and life gets busy or overwhelming. So when this happens to you, um, what kinds of things, you know, how, how do you regain your focus um, what do you do when you're struggling? Like, okay, you've declared now this is your mantra of uh, embracing the, you know, the ordinary goodness of life. And then you wake up some morning and you're like, yeah, I'm not seeing a whole lot of that right now. <laughs> How do you kind of shift your focus? How do you pull yourself back to that focus? Well, uh, you know, that's absolutely true. Um, you know, with teenagers that there is a lot of holding your breath. And mm-hmm. um, a lot of prayer that the mistakes they make won't be permanent ones. And um, there's a lot of um, abiding 
where you're just um, watching and waiting as things unfold. And, um, and then on top of that, I'm going through my own transitions right now. I just, I just turned 50, you know, my mm-hmm. kids are all getting older and my purpose in life is, is just naturally shifting. And I'm trying to figure out who I am and where I'm landing and what the next 30 years are going to look like and um, where I won't be raising my babes in the home. And there are are some tough days, not just tough days with teenagers, but tough days wrestling with myself. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm a big believer that, you know, not everything has to be solved right now. Mm -hmm. Um, That's one of the things that it was a gift of crisis that you learn that there are things on your plate that need attention. And there are kind of things on your plate where you can kick the can down the road a little bit. Mm -hmm. Not everything needs immediate attention. And so one of the things I really try to do is if I'm having a day like that, just to honor it, just to say, Mm -hmm. this is a day like that. And I'll I'll just take a break, um, whether that's from social media or a little extra care to myself with a bath or a long walk or phoning a friend about nonsense, whatever it is, I will, I will stop and say, Hmm. this doesn't have to be solved today. Hmm. And, um, I have learned so much more in the pausing Mm -hmm. and I've learned that just like no one can fix, you know, what's going on with me. Sometimes I can't fix it and you have to sit in that and be okay with that. Um, so I think some of the things I do are just that, giving myself a pause to wait and see. And then mm-hmm. when I get on the other side of the pause where I can breathe deeply again, then I start to do the self-care things and I start to get back to the gratitude. It's always um, a walk back to gratitude. Sometimes it's a quick walk and sometimes it's slow mm-hmm. dragging steps. Mm-hmm but it's always um, a walk back to the basics. And I think being a mom, especially, um, you know, when you're having a bad day, you can't help but look at your babes and see things through a different mindset. Mm -hmm. You know, they are young and vital (laughs) and um, wild in a lot of ways and good hearted and um, hopeful. And I always say that, man, the teens are all right. If you've spent any time with a teen, you realize that they have stars in their eyes. They are looking to the world without the jaded sense that we might have had after our years. And so I always, if I can't see the perspective myself, I, I've kind of gotten into a habit of looking at it through my kids' eyes. I see mm. what they're seeing. I look through their perspective. And I think that shift also helps get me back center. Mm-hmm. And I'm hearing you even just talking about the idea of like, what is even good, like the definition of good and goodness. Like, I think that that is um, a shift that we need to make as we try to embrace this kind of lifestyle as well. Because I think, you know, it's pretty countercultural to embrace the ordinary. I think the messaging around us is often bigger is better. Or if a little bit of something is good, then even more is better. And everybody is it seems like they're trying to have their experiences in their homes and their lives be extraordinary all of the time. I mean, bigger and better than everyone else's at least. <laughs> so it takes work to stay content in this ordinary. And I think that one of the keys in that is realizing what truly is good. What is the meaning and the definition um, of good? Would you agree with that? Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, I feel like here's kind of my general rule of thumb. When I lay my head down in my bed at night and my phone is off and the babes are asleep and it's just me here in the darkness, where does my mind wander? Hmm. It's not going to be to the blouse I bought. It's not right. going to be um, to my next vacation or the next big thing that I want to accomplish it usually rests right in the simple things that made me smile that day. Mm. And I find my mind wandering to those moments, those people. And I can guarantee that at the end of my life, when I'm laying there ready to close my eyes into the darkness and find the light, Mm -hmm. that my mind will be in the exact same spot. My mind never ever wanders to the big things. Mm. It just doesn't. And I would, argue that most people lose the really important stuff 
by seeking the big things. Mm -hmm. And you're so right. It is countercultural. I mean, I look at Instagram and I, I really try to make not this ordinary goodness just in my relationships, but in my home. Like I noticed that there are um, contests about um, decorating and there are reels now of people doing all these fancy ways to present something that was ordinarily just simple, like mm -hmm. putting a few things on the mantle. Now there's all these fancy reels. And I, I often think, my word, we spend so much time distracting ourselves from... Mm -hmm you know, life that we miss life. And I'm a believer that life is lived in the trenches of ordinary. Mm. When, when you are living your ordinary life and if you're looking and rubbing your eyes and looking with clear eyes, you can't help but see the smile you would have missed. You can't help but feel what somebody else is feeling in the room. You can't help but stay present. Hmm. I love that, Shelly. I love that. And you know, kind of at the center of what you share along these lines often is your home. And and by that, I don't just mean your beautiful house. I mean, it does include your house and your pool and your acreage and all of the beautiful ways that you um, are transforming that. Um, so it's, it's not only your house, it is your house, but not only your house. It's all that's happening inside of the house, the people, the moments, the food, and all of the things that define home. So I'd love for you to just share a little bit about the theme of home. What have you learned over the years about creating a safe and inspiring and welcome home? What are some of the elements that you think really make up a beautiful home? Well, I, I think that your home really just like your life and everything in it is a reflection of who you are and whose you are. And one of the things that I've always wanted to recreate that I had in my childhood, and it's one of my um, favorite verses actually in the Bible. I was in Bible drills in the Southern Baptist church where I had to look <laughs> up scripture and know yeah. all the books of the Bible. And um, I still pray this verse again and again, and it's God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Mm. It's Psalms 46 one. Mm -hmm. And I think about that word refuge. It's been one of my favorite words about God because um, for me, he's always been a safe place and I can always feel his presence as I'm walking through my days. And that's what I want for my home. I want it to be a refuge where, I mean, man, mm. I know you feel this, but the world throws so much garbage at our babes mm -hmm. and, um, they need to be able to come home to a place where their minds can be cleared and set straight and um, at ease and relaxed. And so many of their friends come from homes where that doesn't happen. And you want your friends, your kids' friends to be able to come to your home and feel that same peace. So everything I do here is geared toward simple living, whether that's the food I make or the decorations I put up or, um, routines in the home, organization in the home, everything is geared toward the simple things where my house can run itself so that it can be a refuge for my people and their people. I love that. I mean, that is a huge word for me too, a huge way that I want to describe my home as well. I mean, home is just a strong theme for me. And that's one of the ways that I feel like you and I have connected as well is just we both feel the same way about what we are trying to create in our home and to make it a safe place and a refuge. And, you know, like you said, when you fall asleep at night, what, where does your mind go? And it's the same thing when we think about home. I mean, I don't think of my furniture or my light fixtures or what color I ended up picking for the wall. I mean, I do enjoy all of those touches and don't get me wrong. Home goods is one of my happy places, <laughs> but Amen. you know, just <laughs> as you share, I mean, home is people and it's love and it's sharing and praying and dancing and it's, it's warmth and hope and hospitality. And, you know, when you focus on these kinds of things, instead of how big it is or how it's decorated, um, you know, it really is a place that you want to be and where others want to be. And, um, you know, chores become fun. And, you know, you kind of have a passion then for creating and building a home space. Um, 
you know, that's that's crucial, especially in times of crisis. It, it's almost a sanctuary of sorts. It's a, a refuge. I love that word. And I love that verse as well. It just becomes a safe place to, to grieve and rest and, and then also heal and begin to rebuild and restore. And, you know, from a spiritual standpoint, you know, this understanding of home, it really does point us, like you said, to how ultimately God is that perfect refuge and place of healing and rest and peace. Yes. And uh, one of the things that I'm learning, too, is that home is it, it's a feeling. And, um, you know, I, I realized that in crisis that God was my feeling and my stronghold and my anchor. And this home became that same anchor for my babes. And mm. I think they're still drawn to that safe space. And, you know, at the end of the day, we all want to come home to a place that speaks our love language. And I think that's what a home should do, that when you walk through and you look on the walls, you see the things that matter or mean something to you, the furniture, the food, um, whatever it is, those are all just feelings of peace and comfort that you're drawn to. And I, I know my mom created that in me. And I, I hope because one of the things I worry about, obviously, you know, um, it's not all hunky-dory here all the time, but I worry, you know, what's the lasting impact of my divorce on my mm -hmm. babes? Of course, I want them to have strong, loving, healthy relationships and marriages. Mm -hmm. And um, I hope that even though my marriage failed, which is still a hard thing to say out loud, mm. I hope that in my life and in my relationships and in our home, that they see that safety and refuge and that they'll want to emulate that in their own homes. Mm. Yes, I feel the same way. That is, it's powerful and it is something to definitely get on our knees and pray about and, and just have great um, expectations as we pray that God will do some really special things um, through these hard things in ways that they become, you know, kinder, more compassionate people, more thoughtful um, instead of um, bitter and hard and um, and broken through it all there is real real hope um, through prayer and through you know just them looking to us to what are we running to during these times I mean I remember one of the first sessions with my counselor and just saying how can I you know how can I help my kids grieve I don't know how to help them grieve and she said you know what Jody they're just they're watching you so you grieve well don't try to micromanage their grief don't try to figure out the best ways that each one of them needs to be processing all of this, you grieve well yourself because they are learning how to grieve by watching you. They don't know how to do it and you don't either. But as you continue to to do, you know, these healthy things and take the next right step and you um, strive to grieve well, they will watch and they will learn. And I feel like that's what your babes have done with you too, Shelly, is they are trying to navigate all of this by watching you and you are setting a beautiful example for them. Oh, thank you. That's, I, I it's so interesting that you say that too, because my counselor, and by the way, I cannot stress enough where if you are struggling that you should reach out for good, yes. reliable um, counseling and mm -hmm. help because mm -hmm. you cannot do it alone. I, if I hadn't had counseling throughout that entire first year, um, I don't know if I would have been as clear headed to make good decisions. And one of the things that I had decided early on was that I was not going to rely on my kids, obviously for emotional support, that they right. were children and I was an adult, but I also didn't want them to think that everything was okay with me all the time. That's mm -hmm. not a healthy mm -hmm. thing for them to understand either. So one of the things I would always tell them in that, in those times was, Hey, I'm having a really hard day today. I'm struggling. Um, I'm going to go call aunt Dana mm -hmm. or, um, this, this has been a tough day for me. And if you could just give me some grace, I'm going to go call my sister, mm -hmm. you know, so mm -hmm. they knew they saw that I was reaching out. Yeah. for help yes. and that that was okay. And that's what I would encourage anyone in crisis um, to do because I, I, I think that we are wired for connection. Mm -hmm. We are wired to um, belong and to share vulnerabilities. And even though it's so scary to go, mm -hmm. um, it, it's such a powerful tool in helping you navigate a new plan B. Yeah, for sure. 
For sure. And in one of the things that I've been really thankful you've been um, sharing about is um, your big birthday that you already mentioned, the big five <laughs> oh, because yes. I have the same big birthday coming up next year. And so I've been watching you and learning from you and just kind of listening to the things you're saying and writing, because um, you have shared some beautiful thoughts around um, turning 50. And so I went back to your post that you wrote around that time. And I'd like to just read um, a couple of your words that you you shared. You said, quote, you forgive easier, you hug longer, you reach out first, you find time, you give more freely, you seek to understand, you laugh often, you hold it near and dear and close. You go out into the big world as a more loving, confident person, happy, whole, content. And then I'll skip down to where you say, this kind of ordinary goodness can only come from being loved well. And it inspires me, dear ones, to go out and love others in the same way. So today, as you look at your own life, look past the inevitable chaos and the stressful situations and the overwhelming to-do list and cling fiercely to your moments, the ones that point you to what you know for sure, that you are loved beyond measure by your people and by God who showed us what that love looks like. And friends, trust me on this, it just doesn't get any better than that. Shelly, that is so profound, so beautiful, and it just really resonated deeply with me as I look towards embracing 50 myself. So thank you for sharing those words. You have such a gift with words and putting words together in your writing. And um, I just want to know what jumps out to you as I reread your own words to you. What do you know for sure? I mean, what are you excited about as you think about this next half of your life? What kind of wisdom and thoughts are you taking with you into maybe even just the next decade? Oh, gosh, hearing those words kind of broke me wide open. Oh, It's just one of those things where uh, 50 is such a landmark because, oh my word, you've lived so much life at this point, you Mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. and um, you've lived some of it not so well (laughs) and you lived other parts of it beautifully Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you know the difference. And um, I never in a million years thought that I would be grateful for the crisis that came into my life Mm -hmm. because... um, that's counterintuitive and I wouldn't have asked for it and I would have never dreamed it, but God has somehow woven all the pieces and parts of my story together, knitted it in a way that even the broken into shards, it's whole again. Wow. And I, I consider that an ordinary miracle. Mm-hmm. And I want to live my next 50 years in the light of that, that no one is too far gone, that no situation is too difficult, that no circumstance is too great, and that God's presence will help you to become the you that you're intended to be. And mm-hmm. I know now, it's not like I thought, me was a destination and that I had arrived, Mm -hmm. but you lull yourself into a life that's going along and it hasn't been stopped. You hit, you've hit a few bumps, but you haven't had a full stop. And once you have a full stop, you just know what matters. And what matters is the relentless showing up every single day. Mm. I can't, I can't say it any more than that because what I've learned is that when you relentlessly show up, others do too. Mm -hmm. That when you receive love, you are more full and whole to then give it. Mm. When you receive grace undeserved, Mm -hmm. you are more likely to give it. When you, um, when you're given I don't know, maybe um, compassion and empathy, you start to wrap your mind around what that looks like for someone else. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I fully understand or understood, even though I was baptized at age eight, and even though I was a full-fledged card-carrying member of the church, Mm -hmm. um, 
I don't think I fully understand understood God's con- unconditional love and grace hmm. until now. Hmm. And hmm. it's a gift I wouldn't trade even for all the suck mm-hmm. because it was so hard. But the other side in gratitude and in clarity is just so much more beautiful. You don't let a moment pass you by. You don't, you don't miss um, a minute or a conversation. I mean, you're ready to be plugged in at all times because you know the next thing around the corner could be a beautiful thing. Hmm. Mm. That's what I want. That's what I want. I want to always know that even through the hard, that there will be beautiful things that I could never have dreamt for myself. Hmm. That is, I mean, that is such a beautiful message for my listeners to hear today. And I know there's somebody listening who that's exactly what they needed to hear to, like you said, just show up, um, show up to their day, show up to their life. Um, you know, I, I think as we wrap things up here and I just kind of bring it back to the main idea of embracing the ordinary goodness of life. Um, I wonder what kind of encouragement you might have for somebody who might be listening, who wants to see the beauty in the ordinary, who wants to show up um, in the small, normal, non-flashy moments of life, but they just, they don't know where to start. What's one or two simple things that somebody could do today or tomorrow to start embracing the ordinary goodness of life and to show up to their life? Well, uh, one of the things that I always encourage um, the people around me in my my real life, um, my real tangible life here that I can touch and see and feel, um, and in my Instagram life, which is a very, it's a, it's, I guess, an extension of this real life. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the things that I always encourage them to look at is the things that are right in front of their face. Mm. Um, it's not a mystery the things you're looking for are right there. So one of the first and easiest things you can do is step outside, Mm -hmm. look up at the great big blue sky and know just how small you are. Mm -hmm. You in, in the whole scheme of things, how little you are and it changes your perspective immediately. And then close your eyes, breathe in. What do you see? What do you feel? What do you hear? And those things all point to ordinary goodness. And um, that's something you can do right away. Mm -hmm. But probably the one that resonates with me most is looking at the people in front of you. Mm -hmm. I have learned to look at moments in slow motion. Mm -hmm. At at my 50th birthday party, I, I felt like the whole night that my babes had planned was in slow motion because you know, we look to movies for a soundtrack to our life somehow. We look, oh, I wish it was that romantic. Oh, I wish my family was that wonderful. Oh, I wish, I wish, I wish. It is. Hmm. It is. Even in the mess, it is. And I've learned to just look at who's right in front of me and just to see the good, to hear the conversation, to know the potential, to see that a story is unfolding. Hmm. And look at your life in slow motion, stop in your kitchen and just look at your life. Wow. I mean, that is a great piece of advice, Shelley, because I think so often we hear people say, oh, life is going by so fast or I can't believe my kids are already going off to college or this all just was, you know, over in a blink. And and I think that that is um, a result of rushing through things, looking for the big moments, the big experiences, banking our hope and our joy on those instead of slowing down. I love that idea of looking at things in slow motion. Um, and like you said, looking up, looking out, looking around us, past ourselves to others, the people right in front of us. You, you give encouragement often on Instagram to look people in the eyes. Um, Mm. you know, I've just, I've learned a lot from you about how to pay attention, just pay attention to the people and the things that are right in front of you. And that is exactly what you need to fight for joy today. So Thank you for this much needed encouragement and for stepping out of your comfort zone a little bit to record this episode. I love this topic. I love learning from you. Um, Remind my listeners once again of how they can find you on Instagram. As I know, after this conversation, there'll be some people who will want to connect with you. 
Uh, you can find me at Little Miss Magnolia. I love to connect with people. So drop me a DM if you get a chance and let me know your story. I think our stories are what connect us. And um, I just would encourage you guys all to see the ordinary goodness. And I'm going to keep reaching for it because it's a daily discipline and practice. And it's a joy. It is. And I would highly encourage anybody who starts following Shelly on Instagram to go back and look through her feed and read some of her past posts because they are just so beautifully written. You really do have a gift with words, Shelly, and your presence on Instagram is so winsome and inspiring and encouraging. So keep going, keep sharing, and keep reminding us that our real life, the life right in front of us, our ordinary life is way better than any orchestrated Instagram life that we could try to um, find or present. Amen. Thank you for having me today, Jody. I so, so appreciate you and this platform to make our social media just a little bit more meaningful. I agree. Thanks, Shelly. Thank you so much for listening today. If you were helped or encouraged by this episode, please share it with others. I would also love for you to find me on social media. You can connect with me and others who are listening on my Fighting for Joy podcast page on either Facebook or Instagram. You can also send me an email at fightingforjoypodcast at gmail.com. Podcasts have been such a lifeline for me in grief and one of the top ways that my soul is recharged and encouraged on a weekly basis. I truly hope that this podcast will do the same for you. Keep fighting for joy.